0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today, we are covering a lot of ground from French beauty and its eternal appeal, to plant stem cells and how they work with the skin, to even how conservation and skincare are related. And to do so, I am chatting with Alex Chantikai, the Vice President of Sales Promotion at Chantikai Beauty. The family-led brand is a classic of French beauty and certainly has nestled themselves into the American beauty culture as well. Not to mention, the 20-year-old brand has been at the forefront of many trends, including using sustainable and naturally derived ingredients, as well as incorporating cool technologies like peptides and plant stem cells. And the brand has long held the thought that In order for the beauty industry to thrive, they need to give back to the planet that gives so much to us, well before it was the cool and the social media savvy thing to do. Specifically, we talk about their long-held efforts in regards to animal conservation efforts and how that plays a huge role in our natural botanical habitats. Like I said, there is a lot of ground to cover, so let's go ahead and get into it. Alex, welcome!
1: Thank you. Hi. So nice to speak I'm with you. I'm so
0: excited to be, yeah, I'm so excited to be having this conversation today. I have been a fan of Shantikai for so long, so I can't wait to dive in to the conversation. But before we begin, I would love for our listeners to just get to know you a little bit better and, you know, get to know the brand a little bit better. Yeah. You know, beauty was essentially your birthright, you know, can you, can you tell me about growing up and surrounded by the
1: beauty industry? Yeah, we literally kind of really, we were, I remember playing, you know, when you come home from school for, you know, second grade, first grade, sort of, you know, eight, nine years old. And we was not just dressing up in my mom's wonderful sort of couture from the sixties and seventies or first sort of power suits in New York in the eighties, but We would do full faces of makeup, my sister and I, and our friends. And she had these huge beauty closets of worth of the fragrances, first of all, were Aramis and early calyx and gorgeous perfumes, but very elegant and fracas. But also, she had tons of makeup, and I would do a full face. It was so fun at like eight, nine years old. So, in a way, theatrics, because we had Estee Lauder makeup and prescriptives and Clinique. And it was sort of the fun of, makeup was part of dressing up and you know you would sort of wear a red dress and suddenly do a red cheek and red eyes and you know play with the red lip it was it was part of costume for me the the makeup of it all and in very much a way of expressing fun joy femininity and then on the other side we would go with her because you know she was such a hard worker my mother she had we had breaks, but she didn't always. But so we would go for our spring break to the factories in Italy. <laughs> we would then love you know she'd take us to Venice after for a few days. You know to really enjoy our time with her. But it was also kind of going with her on work trips. So we'd go to Milan and then go watch her finish the actual putting together of the powders and eyeshadows and finish pushing and making those formulas happen. So a lot of these people with whom we partner now and who are suppliers, we've known almost more like socially. When we were younger as girls, my sister Olivia and I, when we were like 9, 10, 11, 12, and in a t- teenage years, my first internship was with our main supplier in Italy when I lived in Paris. So it's always sort of been part of our lives. And the, what I can say also is the power of seeing something come from an idea to actually making it was also something very exciting to see, making that happen and, and suddenly having an object, a product, a gorgeous perfume bottle or a wonderful palette, you know, seeing her bring home lab samples of making flight cream for prescriptives or what should we name this and how does it look? And then ultimately it's produced, made, boxed and sold, you know, so you see the whole life of the project. That's exciting. That
0: flows so well into my next question. I wanted to ask, you know, what sort of lessons did this teach you from an early age, seeing your mom do all of this and being surrounded by this? You know, what, how has that shaped your point of view on beauty?
1: Yeah. That nothing is preordained per se. You make it happen, but also it's doable. You know, there's no yeah. other major power making it happen. You can do it. And I think even with Chantakai, we've always thought of ourselves as a little company that could, and a little engine that could. We're, we're a bit more established now, but from the beginning, it was always like, do you have an idea? Let's make it and let's produce it. and And then ultimately having that product come to fruition and then the feedback of people loving it you, you know it's very it's a connection to of course your clients and who you're making it for but that idea of if you're methodical and you put one foot in front of the other you can produce a product and it's not this unknown you know like who who makes that i actually remember my first time at the Shana Kai counter not really interning but sort of barely working yet with a company and i was at bergdorf goodman and a woman came and was like i need my rose water i need my rose water i was like oh wow i I never thought people would just replenish naturally. I never had this idea that people like used our products every day. Obviously, I was like, well, I know we make money and we do well. Someone's feeding us you know, we have food on the table. But that idea that we don't have to like sell it for the first time and always explain it, people know it and love it and want another one of it. That was really sort of like, oh, yeah, you can connect to somebody. And so I think my mother's always just felt like if you have a vision and you know, it's authentic and real, probably others will see it and feel it too. And we'll connect to it, So that connection happens in terms of them appreciating what you've produced. So she's always really taught Olivia and I and my brother, even Philippe, you can do it. It's in your hands. It's in your grasp.
0: Sure. Hearing about your family and your mother, you know, when you guys were all growing up. And I always love hearing about people's relationships with beauty in context of their families and especially the relationships with whoever taught them about beauty. And I always find that people just they have memories in their lives where, you know, they can pinpoint to of like, oh, that's when I fell in love with the concept of beauty or a fragrance or a red lip or whatever it is. Do you have any of those defining memories from growing up? I mean, you obviously, like I said, this is your birthright. So I'm you probably grew up with a lot of these memories. But are there any that stand out?
1: Yeah, there's definitely this feeling of luxuriating and bath time and you know we're French and my grandmother my yeah. mother's mother, it is, raised us a lot and was with us a lot at home and in New York and New Jersey and we'd go to Paris and be with her a lot because as I said my, my mother's an amazing woman an amazing mother but she was working really hard and so our feminine oh. time was often with my grandmother as little girls and she had the softest skin and I just I remember cuddling her and touching her face when we would go to sleep and she would sort of sing us little sweet songs. And that very kind of like what femininity was for me was a gentle kindness and an elegance. You know, she was very lovely and put together, but very just the softness of her skin and that idea of you take care of your skin. And she always sort of like, you well, know, luxuriated us around bath time. And it was always very kind of not rushed bath time, you know, it was very, you, you patted the skin softly and, and then you would sort of get some nice creams put on you and get cuddly in your lovely pajamas. And then and, and a beautifully made French dinner was served, you know, sort of lovely purees or good soups and, and nice tart tarts and apples. So it was very, everything was very kind and comfortable and lovely fabrics, silks, you know, it wasn't, I'm not saying it was like the top in terms of luxury, but a lot of the things in France are old and and passed down. And so we had sort of sweet lace tablecloths and made out of embroidered flowers. And so like, as a little girl, you look at all those details and just that idea of femininity, gentleness and quality, I think, was always something that felt connected to me from the beginning. I think my sister would say the same. And we really, that's more what it is than like, sexy beauty you know it's more about like feeling really cared for and healthy and that sort of literally feeling like a lovely hug from your grandmother coming out of the bath for me that's sort of what our early feelings of beauty and so it, it like i said earlier translated into playtime and sort of fantasy creative play as they say now you know sort of always we would literally we would put on plays with our outfits. my mother had amazing vests from Romania and kimonos from Japan that she would bring back and let us wear. And and so we would have these like wonderful playtimes. And with that was the makeup, you know, when you'd make like a wonderful peacock eye. And and I know now probably like maybe you shouldn't put that on a six-year-old, but at the time, you know, things were different like, with anything. So it, it just had this sort of like balance of careful, healthy, you know, good for you. and And then also this joy. So I think actually that's the sort of Swing or bifurcation or, or or both sides, I suppose that Shantukai provides. It's it is a lot of play and makeup and and gorgeous packaging and really great textures and payoff of color with the eyeshadows that we make that look like a hummingbird or a butterfly's wing. Yeah, but that's yeah. also really nourishing rose water, rose based peptide driven stem cell skincare from plant. You know, like it it, it yeah those two, and I think it's really. Because of our French background.
0: You know, I, two things. One, you just paint the most beautiful picture with how you talk about all of this. I mean, as you were talking about your childhood and your memories, I just, I felt like I was being hugged too. And (laughs) so, just one, I mean, gorgeous storytelling. Two, it, it really does illuminate so much of like how I feel about the brand. And so, you know, you can really see your guys' ethos and passions shine through in the products that you make. Just because everything you said, I was like, oh, absolutely, I can see how their brand comes to be and how they create these beautiful things that they do. And, you know, there's there's absolutely, you can very much see that connection there just from the way you talk. So those were just the two comments I wanted to make after yeah. listening. But the next thing I wanted to ask is, you know, you obviously work for the family business now, but am I correct that you didn't always? And so what was your career path Prior to joining, and why did you ultimately decide to join?
1: Yeah, I. It's been a very long time, so I think it's maybe maybe, you know plus fifteen years, almost eighteen years. So at this point, sure, part of my whole career. But at the time, sure, yeah, when I left college, I had gone to Italy after and was living in Florence with my best friend, and we were studying art art history, and it was sort of you know so exciting to see things in context in C two, as they say, in the cathedrals and everything that we had studied. So. And from there I could learn, I spoke Italian as I'm French speaking natively. It's easy-ish for me to learn romantic-based languages. So I've spoken, I've learned mm-hmm. Spanish when I lived in Mexico and I could speak Italian after living there. And then sort of through friends of friends, I got a job, a small like beginning job in a shoe company, Sigerson Morrison, a little bit based off the fact that I could help in speaking Italian because they worked with Italian-based shoe factories. But and really ultimately through Miranda Morrison, and Carrie Sigerson, who are amazing women who were very popular shoe brand in Nolita near Cafe Chitane in Soho kind of area in the late 90s, early 2000s through good family and friends who they just, you know, very nicely gave me a little job. And I started in PR and, and stayed there for maybe four or five years. And so it was my one and only, but very important for me at the time, way to see, because, you know, ultimately my mother, who was my boss and my mother, it's sort of this omni- present omni sort of important mm. role in one's life and it, i felt like it was key if i was ultimately going to end up at Kai work with her to kind of have a little bit of a soundboard working for another person so that it wasn't always like yes mom you're right and everything you know like being able to have a little bit of pull back and say well Woodoo, do we did you know what i learned from them is was, was a little bit different than this company or in this way but it was really a lovely experience and it was very it was good because I did press and I learned all the, a lot of media relationships and various activations and the shoes were lovely and I still think them to be beautiful and I think I was sort of like called to do an interview at Diego de la Valle and took it on thinking oh this is fun I'll do a you know I, I interviewed basically and mom said don't just do a lateral kind of luxury goods PR move in your com- career come for us come in to work with yeah. us I think was great and capable or you know can be even better and it was very complimentary to hear that from mom, but also I kind of knew if I came in, I would never leave, right? It's not like it didn't work out See you. I'm going to work for another luxury skincare brand or, you know, mm-hmm. so it felt like it was a, a forever move. But honestly, I wanted it because as I've said earlier, you know, my mother has always worked so hard and as much as she's available and lo- and very loving, she's an amazing mother she's an amazing cook she's an amazing decorator she you know takes care of you as a child but it was limited the amount of time right so it was intense when it was with you but it wasn't consistently all the time and that's not a critique it's just a reality that I felt like in my moving into adulthood sort of early 20s if I wanted to really be with her I had to work with her and it wasn't a sort of Mm. difficult decision; it was just more of a choice because I wanted to have those trips to Italy with her as a professional or I wanted to Sneak in a quick lunch midtown at Biboke in between meeting with the buyers at Bergdorf and Barney's. Or, you know, I wanted to share a hotel with her in Dallas when we would present to Neiman Marcus and sort of all of those real life moments are more enjoyable with your family than they are maybe with just a, you know, work. I mean, we all like our work colleagues ultimately through those very social experiences after a while, but they're that much more tender and real when you're with your your mom giggling, you know, trying to sort of make stop the bath from overrunning when you're at the mansion at Turtle Creek and you put in too many bubbles or something. And the next morning, it would be <laughs> at eight to the buyers. It was just that sort of like fun of life with reality of work. And so I jumped in and she threw me out of the nest very quickly to her, to her <laughs> strength in my defense. She sort of made my first trip in, I think, January. Gosh, was 10 different cities um, in 10 different days. Wow. <laughs> and they were in every sort of weather pattern the United States has to offer. So... It was <laughs> off in Troy, Michigan, which is, you know, outside of Detroit. So first you fly to Detroit, you drive two, three hours in this crazy snowstorm, work with those sure. the markets. And then it was Chicago proper for a few days. Also like such intense windstorm of snow. You can only keep your eyes. Yes. Those while you walk. And then across to Denver and then down to Scottsdale. And I want to say even maybe at the end, I went back up to San Francisco. So it just was just like, whirlwind trip and everywhere better than learning on the job and gaining the respect of the team in the stores the sellers in the stores the department managers you know she really made me an account executive which allowed me to see that the truth is you're only as good of a brand as as your ambassadors staff in the stores and in the field are at being able to sell your product. And that means getting them on board, believing in the product, understanding it, giving them the due respect of shoulder to shoulder selling with them, you know, definitely setting up trainings, but also sitting with them, taking them to lunch, hearing who they are, what their own challenges are at the workplace. So I spent a lot of time in the field and I've always really understood and respected that it all happens in the store. And we've become super digital over the last few years, of course, with COVID even more so. But I've always understood it's a people based business and we're putting products on people's skin. Ultimately, our name and our jars are in the bathroom, you know, so it's a very human experience. And so I, I learned that and I'm glad she made me do so. So I, I traveled three weeks a month, you know, it was to the point every for the last, in the beginning for the first four or five years, I was always on the road and in the field. And that was, it was a very good school to learn that way.
0: You know, I had it on my list of questions to ask you what your mother had taught you, but, you know, I I think we've discussed so much what she's taught you, but you obviously work with, I am sure you are not, (laughs) but you also work with your other family. So I'm curious, you know, what, what sort of lessons do you learn from your broader family and just working at a family company? I think that is... It's it's something not many of us have the the pleasure of doing nowadays. You know, I feel like that family run business doesn't necessarily exist in the same capacity and and you get to do it.
1: Well, it's it's nice you say pleasure because I agree. I, I think of it as one. Obviously, not everyone likes a family, perhaps as it sounds like you and I definitely do. But it's a different dynamic. I have to say my father comes from a relatively large family in Bordeaux and in the wine region and they had a vineyard they so he was raised in the vineyard in the chateau and that's where we spent all of our holidays and christmases were spent in the chateau and they made wine and it was always this idea of multi-generational kind of focus on the land the product and every dinner had all of our own bottles on the you know tables in the cellar downstairs it was sort of from like the 1912 you know you'd come up and we'd have these arguments about it being dusty or too old or, but it was always this feeling of you celebrated the product you produced and everyone worked hard and respecting the brand, I suppose, even though like a brand it just felt like a lifestyle in a way. So I felt like it came from that knowledge and understanding that there, you can have a product you make that you, you believe in and you all work hard to celebrate and support. And then, and indeed like my uncle ran it for a long time and, even my, his daughter moved ultimately to Canada and runs her own very successful vineyard in the ice region, ice wine region. So it's always been part of our way of understanding you, you make and produce something and we're very sort of connected to that output and you do it together. And I think seeing my own parents as they have the be- a beautiful love story of having sort of met within three weeks and then being quickly married and, and, and staying together and ultimately building a business vacation and, and they're very good partners, but that idea of balancing and, and always sort of supporting each and when you have to get to work, you work, but you are also able to sort of sit in the couch and giggle or the family dog will come up who is in the office all the time and sort of be there for us to humanize our experience together with. And so I think we work hard and respect each other. And we, my mom was good at giving the children separate things to do. So my f- brother's an amazing photographer. I'm here looking at some of the images he's shot in this room I'm speaking from. And he's very creative and has a wonderful sensibility and has a great eye. And I got him an early internship at Annie Leibovitz through a great friend. And he's just always been passionate about photography and collecting art himself. And he's very good at photographing animals in the wild. We've had some exciting trips to see the like silverback gorillas or certainly Drops rhinos, and elephants in Africa. And, and, Which know. is certainly such a big you know, yeah. part of your family, I know. Yeah. We got to see the polar bears and the Arctic on the trip together. So, And then my sister, who's of course been with the brand since the beginning, having started it with my mom, is very good at formulas and textures and feeling. And cut. She has a great eye, very high refined palette, and, um, and very sophisticated for quality when it comes to... Herself, her life, her family, her—you know—the way she lives and decorates and wears clothing, but moreover, properly how she produces, sort of the texture, the feeling of the formula, the way it looks in the eye, the packaging, the whole color story. So, anyway, I think mom really identified, and I'm pretty decent at training and talking to people and getting them on board and feeling like you know, getting communicating. So managing the people part in that way. So we each have our own row or avenue, and we are needed. You know, we intertwine all the time because it's. important one doesn't over see the other. We all need each other. But but I think there isn't that backstabbing corporate you know, thing of like, well he take my job. It's like, no, it's my sibling. But, you know, they do their own thing. So I think that's always felt like you just do the work. You don't worry about the sort of politics or gossip. And and my mom's really genero I think engendered that type of ethos or culture in the in the company. And it's been really lovely to have everyone sort of just do the work can feel supported in that way rather than too worried about, you know, someone stepping on your head sort of to get your job or if you take a mat, mat leave, is there someone slipping in before you come in? Just that doesn't really yeah. play into our company politics.
0: I could hear you talk about your family all day. For some reason, it just makes me feel so warm. <laughs> but I am I, a Francophile. I love French beauty. I think most American women have this fascination with French beauty. I think we're brought up to idealize French beauty. And why do you think that is? You know, what what is that quintessential French beauty to you? I
1: think my experience in growing up and seeing it through vacations and summers and French cousins and friends is it's a very simple beauty. That's it's why we're frustrated, you know, as Americans. Like, gosh, they do nothing and they look so good. And I mean, I think a lot of them really don't have a lot of know-how I mean that's the other thing they don't know how to put on eyeshadow they don't have a lot you know they just sort of are s- simple out of laziness slash fear because they don't really always have a lot of education lately there's a lot more knowledge but as my mom will say you couldn't as a young girl wear makeup your dad would make you scrub it off and take it off you know especially a good catholic girl so a classic french girl really couldn't wear makeup it looked you know not appropriate so you just put a little mascara a touch of lipstick, and That idea of tapping a gel brought something, you know, cushiony on your cheeks, but not a very overdone makeup that had a a negative sort of connotation to it. So I think it's out of culturally just that it's evolved out of sort of you're not supposed to wear a lot of makeup. And so that which you do wear should be light and sort of natural looking, but also accentuating your, your good features and not putting so much emphasis on it, you know, not caring so, so much. There's also a certain elegance and chic to that. I think when you put too much focus on it, it looks like you spent 45 minutes perfecting your kind of gum contour. That doesn't look like you have other priorities or that other thing, you know, the French are very intellectual and what matters more is that they're thinking and they're feeling versus like looking perfect. So, I I mean, I'm speaking about Parisians protect, protect, maybe more particularly than others, but I think there is very much, it's, Cool to look unkempt, and somewhat. Like they never. I always feel like they have like gorgeous hair and good handbags, and then they don't really have a face on, you know. Which is just for funny our business. It's very much your your face has to be finished. But I think it's also just wanting things to be comfortable. Yes, they're into high heels and you know with jeans and that great trench and a handbag, but you don't see anyone sort of wincing in discomfort. Or if they are, they don't show it. You know, it's always very much comfortable in their skin, and I think that translates to skincare. And, and complexion, you want to be able to have it be breathable and, and good quality. So the the derivation in botanicals and plants and sort of the idea of using flowers is is very, you know, naturally European, I think, and having that connection too. So yes, you go into like the fields of wildflowers and you pick flowers for your house, or you might have it floating in your, your bath with some oils. I mean, there was always this sort of feeling of, Nature was close by when you would take these trips. You know, we, we grew up in the Cap Ferret, which is not Cap Ferrat, it's Cap Ferret in the Southwest. It's sort of an arcachon and very itchy with escadrilles and footpaths that are all sand and barrios and jumping on boats for lunchtime and, and sort of simple and collecting sort of shells and very close to nature. But then you'd hop off the boat, have an amazing lunch and some rose and sort of. Culture meets nature, I think, was very much my experience with French, French elegance and French nature. So, yeah, it's not too done. It's sort of, you know, one to two products is all you need and sort of good quality is the most important thing.
0: Sure. How do you merge that with the American market? How do you marry that French, that French essence with how
1: Americans work with beauty? What? I think Americans want results at the same time, you know? Yeah. And so I think the thing we've been able to show them is more natural and better quality and well-researched in terms of, of course, everyone, you know, I'm not saying we research better, but I think when we first started it, we were sort of the old guard, more natural brand and people sort of were surprised at something relatively natural, between like 172% natural and and botanically derived, had such powerful effects at reducing their long-term sort of rosacea skin that looked really angry and red, or a lot of cystic acne was calmed. A lot of people's sort of very sensitized red, angry skin, they would show it. So like, you have no idea. Nothing works for me. And this in just three days has immediately taken down the redness. And it feels like I'm kind of cocooned and and my skin is calmed so a lot of that was just saying well when you get really properly well-derived plants and that's how we start the product mom jokes is like the crisco or the fat of the cream is narcissus jasmine and mimosa wax of flowers those three main waxes from flowers produce the bulk or the sort of base of the cream and is emulsified with various um water and elements of rose water in our case and so it's very purifying and it has a sort of calming, soothing aspect, as well as being the sort of base that you can then add things to produce your full cream, but it's always going to reduce redness. The whole point was everyone's sensitive and even with age or lifestyle, gets perhaps more sensitive. And so you want to take away fragrance and colors and added phthalates or petrochemicals and anything that sort of, sometimes when it feels good and you smell it, you're like, woof, that's not just, I can't put that on my face. And so really making it more pure and calming Knowing your your skin is healing and knows what to do. So if you just help bolster that healing reparative system, it'll do it that much better. But if you're aggressing it, it's going to be more exhausted at working extra hard to heal, to surmount what you've put on it. So, you know, that was sort of a new idea in the early 2000s when they started the line because it it was more about how your skin felt versus only how it looked. I say that a lot to clients in the stores. I'm sort of before I give you the mirror, after you've done your makeover, how does your skin feel? How do you feel? Close your eyes, how does it feel? And I, you know, and that's where they make sure they feel great. They're like, it feels so light, it feels so breathing. I feel good. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it. and then they look in the mirror like, wow, I have beautiful makeup, you know, a beautiful face. And and it's our foundation of future skin in particular, so comfortable. You almost have to remember at three in the afternoon, you're like, Do I have my makeup on? And you look at they're like, well, no, it's no, no, okay. And you look in the mirror I'm good, yeah, it's still there. We're actually in this moment of through euphoria, this euphoric moment. This love, you know, that TV show has is uses our foundation on their show, and and that's one Did thing. They was, really, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, from the first season, the makeup artist is oh, sort is, of requested it. We have a relationship with her, and so she uses our foundation on some of the actresses, and and it got picked up by TikTok, and I, we're just experiencing the power of a viral thing on TikTok. You never know what will take off, and so this product that is twenty five, you know, twenty three, five years old, we've had from the beginning, Bose believed in, is now suddenly being discovered, and all these lovely girls on TikTok are saying, "It feels like skin. I don't feel anything. It feels like my face." And this girl, Spanish speaking, is like, es, es como mi piel. No, no no nada en mi cara." Yeah. It's so cute, and so <laughs> it's just. What I've always known, what I, we've always known as a family, as, you know, sellers in the company and, and and hopefully the early clients have always said, like, it feels so comfortable and that that's being onboarded by this sort of 23, 25 year old customer who's discovering the line through TikTok. And they're loving that they can get great coverage that doesn't feel heavy. And it has green tea, chamomile, rosemary, you know, it helps. It has a lot of um, seaweed and most a lot of water. So it balances sort of oily skin and gets redness away. So we've always had this sort of skincare focus in color. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think mom was always ahead of that and knowing that's what people wanted. And Oh, for sure. Lovely what it connects and people go, oh, where have you been all my life?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's because that's such a modern approach to makeup now. And everybody acts like, oh, you know, now makeup is a skincare makeup hybrid. But, you know, there are brands such as yourself that have been doing it for Quite some time, and the second thing I want to say is I I love that TikTok is reinvigorating a lot of these like classic brands that I know and like. I love. I agree. So you know we have been talking about your brand ethos quite a bit and really like getting into that. But you know I I want to talk a little bit more about how you prioritize sustainability. I I know that it is a part of your brand ethos. So can you tell us about how you guys approach that?
1: course we're very into celebrating the world and our tagline for example is wild about nature and that doesn't and it kind of for me it hits the three tenets of wild about a natural touchable aesthetic like I was saying sort of a French aesthetic one that you know allows a person to kind of touch your cheek or, or kiss your face and not mess up your makeup and then we're very excited and wild about naturally derived formulas and the ingredients being from nature and then thirdly we're wild about actual nature and giving back to it and these wild places. so we really love celebrating not just wild endangered animals and needing to celebrate their survival their beauty their place in nature but also the area that's needed to be maintained around them to have proper migratory lives you know we're not talking about animals in a zoo ever. It's always about the need for them to roam and to be part of the landscape and ultimately be gardeners. You know, when elephants and giraffes and these sort of huge form animals walk across their through their, you know, what they eat and their droppings, they're part of the landscape and the regrowth of the trees. And, and they're also part of taking in, for example, the giraffe that we're speaking with the current collection right now, they nibble a lot of the overgrowth of leaves at the top of acacia bushes, which therefore then like allow the sun to come down. Through producing more of a growth from underneath. So, a lot of the smaller animals have things to eat from that grow from below. And so, there's just these innate, as you know, beautiful symbiotic relationships with animals in nature that are disrupted when we lose those top form animals. You know, when you lose the predators, when you lose the lions, and you lose the sharks in the water, things overgrow, you lose the wolves out west. You have too many, too much antelope and grazers that ultimately um, are eating away. Too much of the grass and are removing the base of the where the trees kind of put in their roots and then, you know, hold the banks strongly. You have too many mudslides when you don't have enough trees. And so there are all of these sort of thrown off systems that um, really depend on this trophic kind of cascade and the apex predators are key in keeping that balance. So we've always loved animals. And like I said to you earlier, our childhood was always sort of about like, Picking roses and blackberries and making flower crowns just naturally from the garden and, and having fun with that. And so we were very intimately connected to nature. And my mom personally started her first campaign around sort of our cosmetics or cosmetics with a cause. Yeah. um was butterflies because she had noticed that in her own garden in East Hampton, Long Island, a lot of the butterflies that she was used to seeing just weren't there that summer. And so she did a little individual research because she's very science-oriented and loves to find things out and goes all the way. And understood that there had been a problem with the location of where they start from the south in Michoacán or Mexico. And when they migrate up along, mostly in the, the west, but across all of the U.S., they go up to Canada and to place their chrysalis on milkweed they had sort of lost their original home base in the south so they they didn't have like the origination point it had been sort of lumbered and felled this forest for for development for locals to to build homes which of course we have to understand the need for people to survive and live but what it ultimately came to light was that we needed to replant in mexico new areas where these butterflies could start their life process and so her first pilot she made i was just on board then but i really it was her creative idea with olivia was to create these beautiful eyeshadows where you had the color of the center was a butterfly and then the outside space it was in was a contrasting color and it sort of baked all the way through so you had this butterfly almost like inserted like a mini mold almost like a cookie within a cookie and so there were three different they were so pretty you know editors picked them up and photographed them Clients bought two, one to never touch and keep, and one to wear. And
0: yeah, I feel the same way about your product. Sometimes I'm like, it's too pretty.
1: (laughs) I'm like, I can't touch it. So that gorgeous, sort of like, wow, you know, a little bit of gold in the top. So it looks really pretty. But then ultimately, gave my mom felt so proud. She was like, I I could write them a check for $25,000 in this uh, butterfly conservation group down in, in for the monarchs down in Mexico. And there's the most money they'd ever seen donated by a single donor. They fell off their chair. They were so happy. Wow. And for them, it really mattered. And we still work with them. They're one of our permanent evergreen partners. And I think for mom felt like, wow, my this thing I do, which is about my passion and company and product of what I love can also help connect for what I also love, which is nature and giving back and connecting to the planet and telling that story. You know, moreover, sometimes it's not about it's 25,000 at the time. It was nice, but not millions obviously you know we've now been able to donate up to northwards of of three plus million but mm-hmm. over the years across a different partnership but it's more the story telling and the community of clients of women mostly that we can engage with power and and talk to them about you know more than just a red lipstick it's like why is there an elephant on this red lipstick well let me tell you you know it's about this whole story of the need to keep these paths open through Kenya and Tanzania, and Botswana, so it's sure. kind of You know, elephants don't see sort of country borders, so we have to work with the governments of various countries to open up those borders. Otherwise, they get stuck. So it's just it, it's a broader conversation. And when you tell if a woman, she tells her friends, she tells her daughter, she tells her sister, she tells her her partner, her, you know, and and it engages them in a conversation, which is exciting. So that was always our passion was the storytelling and the and the Feed, feeding them back to the clients like what the monies have done to that they were able to help and support and then it connects on a sustainability level to the formulas. so we use our plant stem cells like i've said and that means that you're not planting actual flowers or orchards of this botanical element like a raspberry bush that would need a lot of water you know to kind of grow an orchard of it or something you're you're just recreating that power of that plant in sort of a in a picture literally so you can take the leaf or a thorn or a piece of it and reproduce it so they're totemic you can't take a thumb of a human and recreate a human you'll maybe recreate a thumb but you can take a piece of a plant and recreate the whole plant so it has a sort of holographic power you could stress it so it becomes more more superpowered at that, that thing it does well like if it's a yeah all it's it does it even more so if it's a hydrator and you put it in really salty conditions it 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 absorbs moisture even better. It sort of does its thing better when it's stressed.
0: What she's explaining here is a concept called extremophile endurance technology, which basically means that plants and their extracts that are harvested in extreme conditions or are put under duress in the lab contain more potent skincare properties. We've written a little bit about it on this site, so I will make sure to link to those stories in the show notes. But in essence, stressed out skincare ingredients are more nutritious for you. This is a concept that is actually widely understood in the food industry. In fact, one study showed that wounding the leaves of strawberry plants in the same way that insects often do resulted in a higher concentration of antioxidant compounds. So, yes. When botanicals are put under stress, they become stronger and more resilient, sort of like us.
1: And so that translates into what we put into the cream. So it it's, it gives you that benefit, but it reduces the need for water. So that's a very green thing. So you can save, I think it's like when for 50 ml jars, which is your classic kind of regular face jar for a cream or a mask. If you buy six, so that's almost like a year, year and a half's worth, you are saving two tons of water through the fact that these plants some, so. don't need water and then also we're, we're on the we certainly there's mica in our eyeshadows but it's responsibly harvested and mined. Sure. you know the responsible mica initiative so you're not using child labor which unfortunately can happen in parts of india we use baobab oil that's in that lipstick with the with the elephant on it on the case because it's not only about giving back but it's also the formula is connected to africa so it is is a beautiful tree that's sort of famous for the Petit prince, this, the little principle, yep. the tree that looks like it's upside yeah. down. Right? The, the roots look like they're in the air. Yeah. And that is sort of 100-year-old trees. And they drop these big pods that can be pressed as these nuts. And anyway, we pay and support through a trade fair certified, fair wild, excuse me, fair wild certified. So it's sort of fairly paying the harvesting of wild botanical ingredients so that the people locally are paid well. And it's often women who harvest them in Zimbabwe. And the idea is that there's sort of visibility along the chain, much like fair trade coffee or something of that sort. And Fairwild ensures that there's not over-harvesting of these important botanical elements and wildflowers in the Romanian Carpathian mountains and areas like that, so that you you don't take, 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 and then have nothing left within the ecosystem and or the people for them to use. And so we use Fairwild because it's the right system, as well as the ingredient um, is certified to be Authentic and it has wonderful hydrating properties for the lips. We are Ecocert and sustainably organic for the baby line, which was really important to make the the baby products totally natural and a high percent organic. Yes, Ecocert you know follows you along the whole process in the factory to ensure everything is validated as being healthy and organic. Um, we use a lot more. Glass. And you guys just check all the boxes. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of things is authentically kind from the beginning. We've never had GMO as ingredients because we don't want to be part of that system. And even if the product is, you know, better GMO, like it, you could say, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just harvesting. But what it does to so the areas and the fields around it are, are known to not be great, of course, as the seeds can float. And then also we don't use. And mm, idea, That's a big happened. one. Yeah. I mean, that sort of degradation of the old growth forests in that, in Indonesia and in those areas where, you know, you see the the poor loss of habitat, yep. the orangutan, it's really a Deforestation, of course, yeah, it's really quite tragic. You can't quite
0: hear what she says, but here we are talking about palm oil. Deforestation due to palm oil is a huge deal in both the food and personal care industries. Palm oil is very popular because it is an incredibly efficient and cheap crop, which makes its use very widespread. Essentially, forests are being cut down to make space for palm fields. This deforestation can contribute to climate change and a host of other problems. Some nonprofits and governments are looking to help solve this problem, but in the meantime, you can either look for brands that one, do not use palm oil at all, or two, note how their palm oil is
1: sourced. If you have a product, you want to try to you know, make sure that you're thinking about the sourcing of the ingredients as much as possible. Obviously you've ex-
0: explained the topic of stem cell stel- of stem cells. And you know, it is such an ingenious technology and your products that are infused with it are really quite incredible. So I have to ask, what is your favorite product that has stem cells in it?
1: Gosh. Oh, I've been really loving the this well, I'm calling like the Rolls Royce of Skincare—it's this regimen of these four little gold ampules that have a ton of peptides mm-hmm. and stem cells of collagen building, nicotina silvestra, and matrixyl okay. ultra peptide. So it's this sort of three hundred and sixty way of plumping out the skin to ensure that there's no fine lines and deeper wrinkles. It's called, gosh, I just call them the gold ampules, but it's a system of four different ones <laughs> a month, and I think we called it gold. Yeah. Recovery intense concentrate PM. <laughs> okay. So there's, okay. Gold AM and there's gold PM, but the, it's an intense concentrate. So the idea, it's like a pre-sear and, um, I have a thing like colostrum, like it's so intense because it's, um, and it's really good at tapping into around your eyes, around your mouth. And it is highly, almost like you've had a laser to, so to lift and smooth and and drive collagen growth at a germ. But that i think is the most sort of scientifically interesting product we've launched and, and highly effective like you really can see the the change and the idea is you do it like a french cure like a bit of a every three months the way you change your diet or okay. your shampoo oh, your clothing or your clothes yeah with the season so the sort of bring your skin up to optimal functionality at, and one ampules per week so you have four so you have about a four-week period and then you would take a break and come back Four, you know, three months later. So you do it every sort of quarter. Yeah, I mean, I love the gold face mask. I sleep in that a lot too. And that has a lot of also the plumping out stem cells and redness reducing for little broken capillaries or post-ski or sun. It really helps any sensitivity and damage. So,
0: you know, I have been sent the bio-lifting mask. I'm so excited to try it, but I, I need to ask you, how should I be using it? Why do you love it? And, you know, what's what's the science behind it?
1: Oh, right. We just relaunched that. It's such a great product. We just plusified it. Peptides and plant stem cells come onto the market since we launched it. So we've always called this a facelift in a jar. And we launched it when I first came on about 15 plus years ago. And it was, it has always been an amazing product. But some like what I, some gold products, for example, we have have some more later, recently developed innovations. And we wanted to weave that into this great selling and important biomass. Make it that much. So the facelift in a jar got its own facelift. (laughs) We call this sort of your, I mean, this is your recovery kind of, you can even sleep in it mask. It's so efficient to, if you wanted to do do like a thin layer, for example, in the morning while you're brushing your teeth, you could then with our, we have a mask brush, so you just sort of evenly distribute it so you can barely see it, but it's there. And then you could just maybe tap on a little rose water, but you don't have to wipe it off. The idea is just to have it like absorb in because it is a cream. So it has this really lovely texture that becomes Mm -hmm. your sort of a great base as a face cream. And the idea, yep. or you could wear it like a 20 minute thick one while you're taking a bath or watching a show, reading a book. Or thirdly, you could fully rub it in like your night cream. And that for me is like pressing the gas on the efficaciousness of it listing the skin. So if you do want to look extra good in the morning, you might want to wear it like a sleepover mask. And, and what it does ultimately is it has this amazing attributes to used to have this and it always has sort of a botox effect this hexapeptide has Mm -hmm. become amplified in recent years as an ingredient and so we're one of the first brands to bring it on to the market and rather than take about 28 days so if you wear the mask quite consistently you see the optimal effect of minimizing like deeper you know wrinkles from showing through your muscles from contracting a little less this now works in just five days so it's quite fast at smoothening these sort of deeper, you know, expression lines. It also has contouring hexapeptide that produces more of a 360 degrees so like the apples of your cheeks are juicier and sort of producing a really useful silhouette to your face. And it has a lot of extra deeply moisturizing. So sometimes we're dehydrated through the weather, the dry winter and the sort of heat we're in or with age, we lose absorption and retention, let's say, of hydration in our skin. So there's a a really great sort of tall grass that lives in tidal zones that hold on to moisture so it could survive when the tide goes out for many days at a time and basically acts like a camel so that it absorbs the water when it does have access to it. And that is transferred into the skin so that you, almost a Gatorade, or like boosting your moisture in your skin through wearing the mask. It has a sort of like quick instant sort of smoothing, like ironing a face out, like ironing your wrinkled shirt, it kind of like smooths the surface. Through a pullulan, and then it has these these deeper clumping aspects, and and then an ultimate major moisture and contouring. So yeah, I think it's yeah. Many, and moreover, that, that gentle, comfortable formula—it almost feels like it's been in the refrigerator when you put it on. It's always kind of cooling, which is delicious.
0: That is the sweet spot for a product. I find it's you know you get that immediate gratification and that immediate sensorial appeal, but then you also develop those long-term benefits over time. I mean, I I can't wait to be to use it myself. But the last thing that I want to ask you to close out this episode as I always do is I want to ask about your own wellness and beauty habits. Uh, a big part of beauty is how you take care of yourself as a whole. So the first thing I want to ask is, you know, what are your wellness must-haves that you that you fold into your daily life, you know, is there do you have a mindfulness practice that you stick to? Do you, are you an avid, you know, someone who must work out every day, you know, do you do you have those wellness habits that you stick to?
1: On the weekend, I'll take time to go to farmer's markets and really cook and really be thoughtful. And so taking sort of the time when you can to be considering what you're eating and and, and being really healthy around that. I, I try to be, I either work out or I walk or in the city where I live in New York City and and take a moment to kind of, be outdoors, as well as that balance of getting off your phone. I think, yes, we work on our phones, we see social media and we read the news and everything, but taking that away and putting a book in your hand and actually being connected to a more mindful process of imagination and being taken somewhere else. So I try to read. I'm a sort of slow reader, people joke, but I like to be really like I jump into the story. I'm reading Shantaram right now that takes you to India and is sort of this beautiful very humanizing story of just the beauty of humanity and forgiveness and connection um and i think sort of these getting you know out of the work 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 and the technology and 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 taking things slower so i always think you know stretching and eating quietly as well as and reading are really important ways to to sort of be back in our human body as 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 people versus just tech-oriented doers. And I think ultimately that you be more rested and more relaxed, which make you look more attractive, you know, and less sort of spread thin. So beauty is about sort of taking care of yourself and also feeling confident. For me, that's really important. And if you're frazzled, you're not confident. So trying to find things that feed you and give you energy are really key to that.
0: Sure, and then, of course, you know what is your daily skincare routine if if you don't want to dive into all of it, I'm sure there's a lot at least you know what are the high level points that you that you make sure you hit every day
1: rose water is such a lovely part of the everyday because it's very yes. you know tan harvested and it's with artesian well water and it's just sort of boiled roses that are condensed and liquefied into the bottle so you get all the rose and all the vitamin c power and a lot of nature comes into your skin directly that way so i think of it like rather than licking dry lips which would be like just spraying regular water in your face it really gives a lot of hydration and vitamin c so it's more like putting a lip balm on your lips sure i use rose water a lot um by my bed in the morning when i rinse my face off and with cleanser. So I'm also using the Rose Balm, which is beautiful that is, sort of has light phytic acid to exfoliate lightly, but also can take away eye makeup and all sort of thick and thin foundation as well, and mascara. And then I'll, I'll rinse off with a cloth. And, and I really do love serums. So either it's a, it could be a rose oil thinned out with a cream, or these serums I was speaking about, the Gold Recovery Intense Concentrate, our BioLift Serum, that deeper kind of seeping in of moisture and delivering good collagen, building support deep into deeper into the skin. And sometimes I'll use just a mask to sleep with, really kind of letting the skin heal and and putting a little bit extra support on it so you don't wake up feeling dry. I think that's important, certainly, in the sort of winter months to, to keep your skin as high as possible. And I cannot live without our lip potion. It's this beautiful balm that has shea butter and hoba and aphropod and rose oil and it's the only thing I've found that doesn't as a lip balm dry your lips after. It really stays hydrating and it's the one thing I'll gift to people and they're like, wow, what is this? I have guys love it. <laughs> it's it's really um it's an amazing little pot. It's it's white little pot and it's really elegant packaging and sort of a ceramic y packaging, but it's it's a it's a winner. So that's the kind of thing you, it's, it's I I never heard of Chantiquai or worked for it. I would I would find that because that's the one product. <laughs> amazing as a little like hack we we have yes. baby products that are beautiful and the lavender balm it's camellia and lavender balm was the last that they developed my sister developed it when her, her baby was born about eight so it's an established line as well as an established team but the baby balm is really good for kind of um when the babies have really sort of rough red skin or maybe irritation yeah. from and certainly for moms who are breastfeeding cracked nipples and these very kind sure. of like are angry so if in the winter sleeping with that in your hands or if you've over been blowing your nose and your nose is really raw, putting that or on elbows, that lavender balm, which is all natural and organic, is so conditioning and soothing. And you wake up with, you know, baby like skin yourself. So that I think I sort of grab from the baby line and use in my everyday as well. Certainly
0: I love a multitasking balm, so I might have to steal that from the baby line as well. (laughs) I like always need one on me at all times. (laughs) So (laughs) that might be my new go-to. Well, thank you so much for joining today. This was so incredible. The way that you talk about beauty is, for lack of a better word, just so beautiful. And (laughs) it was just really lovely to hear, you know, you... you wax poetic about about the brand and your family and you know the the point of views that you guys have
1: thank you so much it's been a real pleasure to speak with you and get to know you better as well and thank you for making my you know our story sort of a part of the bio mind body green annals i'm excited to hear it and um i'm so proud about the family's done so it's it's always i'm always a bit blushing and tickled pink when others are interested in our story too because it's it still feels very sort of private but i'm I'm thrilled to share it sure thank you so much well thank you
0: thank you so much for listening to today's episode if you liked it don't forget to rate and review us and before we sign up i just want to introduce a new feature that we are introducing to the pod you can now submit all of your lingering beauty questions all you have to do is drop in a voicemail and I'll answer it here on the pod. Whether you have a follow-up question about a specific episode or are just curious about an ingredient, routine, or product, we want to hear from you. Head over to sayhi.chat cleanbeautyschool to submit your questions. I will put that link in the show notes so you can click on it there. Once we get a few of them, our team will select a few to answer during a special Q&A segment, and you just might be featured on this pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and see you next week.